Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Stu. Thrive Deeper and mm. continuing the book of Ephesians. Some great passages of scripture in this section of Ephesians that mm. I think a lot of people are probably familiar with and it'd be great to work our way through these. And mm. uh, if uh, if you weren't able to catch the previous episode here where we covered chapters one through to three, really encourage you to go back and do that. And chapters one to three, Paul's really addressing who we are in Christ. Mm. And as we move now through into chapters four to the end of the book of Ephesians, Paul's going to be talking about what that should mean in terms of the way we live our lives, how we mm. relate to others, how we treat others. Uh, and I think it's a really great sort of flow of application from the understanding who you are in Christ to now what that means as we apply that in our lives, Matt. Yeah. So he's essentially what he said is that is that the transition that they've made to becoming uh, children of God through Christ is th- there is a it's a complete change of life. Yes. Th- this is a completely different kind of life, and and he's very polarized about that in uh, chapter two. You know where he says. Um, you know, you were once dead in trespasses and mm. sins in which you walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work, at work in the sons of disobedience. So, it, you know, it, it's so polarized. Yeah. It's like black and white. You know, yeah. you were there and you have stepped into something completely different to that. There yeah. is, you know, there, there, are, there are, you know, obvious lines of continuity. We, we you know, th- there are aspects of life that, that continue. And it's interesting to see what he says in the next that yeah. next block yeah. about what does continue. So, so for example, you know, slaves continue to be slaves, that their their position there doesn't change, and yet their spiritual position changes completely, completely. and the master's Yes. Uh, are encouraged to acknowledge that, and and there's something really. Um, and I think you know, there. on that particular thing, their posture in that position of being a slave changes yeah, that's as right. well. Yeah. But I think that's a really good point. This is not just a little bit of a lifestyle tweak, and let's see yeah. how this goes. This is a complete death to old, yeah. and rebirth of the new. And and remembering again in those first three chapters, Paul, and and again continuing through here, Paul's really also strongly trying to break down the the barrier between Jew and Gentile because mm. there was this real separation between yeah. the Jews felt yeah, that they right. were yeah. uh, the chosen ones, which they yeah. are obviously, but there was a separation between Jew and Gentile. And Paul's now saying, hey, we're all the same under Christ. Yeah, 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 that's right. I think this is important, Stu, in the light of the tendency in our culture to adopt sort of a ways of, you know, like it's the self-help sort yeah, of concept, exactly. you know, we, you know, I'll, I'll give that a try, I'll give yeah. this diet or this way of living, or I subscribe to this particular, you know, philosophy, all those ways of sort of making me happier and healthier. Mm, and mm. and this isn't that sort of thing. This no. is actually a completely different, for, you know, way of life. Like yeah. it's a complete repositioning. And yeah, totally. Those, yeah. those things tend to be from the outside in. Uh, this is talking about from the inside out. Yeah, so, that's right. You know, chapter four, uh, we, we sort of launch into chapter four here. And this is really where Paul begins to talk about the church and uh, and the role of us as collective as a collective people in his church. Um, yeah. Uh, well, he has he's he's talked about the church already. I mean, just he signaled. Of, yeah. uh, he's you know signaled. This. In fact, he signals this in a way right through the letter. But in chapter four, uh, he really ramps this up. Now, one of the things that is different about what these people in becoming Christians what they've stepped into is 
in the, in the Greco-Roman world, you didn't really belong to congregations as such. There was there wasn't really congregational life. I mean, in in the in sort of ancient Greece, you would belong to you know a polis, a city, and right. and you would participate in the city council and so forth. By this time in Rome, that's kind of broken. Even that's sort of broken down. That kind of community life. Okay, and uh, and 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 in fact, if anything, the you know the Roman uh, authorities were very suspect about people gathering. They didn't really like people gathering in groups anyway. Right. And so okay. even with the religion, you didn't you weren't part of a temple. You went to a temple, you offered your sacrifices and then you left. There was no congregational life involved. Mm. So what he's pointing to here is uh, a is a congregational life really that must be protect, protected at, at all costs. There's something actually crucial about the this thing that he refers to as the body, body you yeah. know, and or and and I mean he talks about it as the body, but a prominent metaphor here is the that of a building, and of specifically as a temple. Mm. You know, he says you you're the temple yeah. uh, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So therefore, because of that, because of all of that, one of the big concerns throughout this and it's even interesting when he goes into chapter five the the particular things that he focuses on the sins to avoid that yes. he focuses on are sins that threaten the unity uh, of, of the, the church, church in in, in mm. particular mm. and this is really the big uh, the big theme here uh, he says I therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling uh, to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, he's he points out he's a prisoner in uh, yeah. that he is, in a sense, exercise, he's modeling those things. You know, he's being patient. He's not uh, he's not being entitled. He's not being combative. Uh, now, in verse three, he says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit mm. in the bond of peace. So he says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. So it's all oneness. He's pointing to the importance of the unity. And this is going to be important because there are forces at work in at that time that are going to want to scatter the church and stop them from from gathering together. Mm. But it's their togetherness that is actually crucial for their survival yeah. uh, as, as a and church. And it interested me too that he starts with those things, humble, gentle, and patient, not you know leadership and teaching and all the things that we tend yeah, to that's think right. yeah. the church should be about. No, it's actually about being humble with one another, yeah. about being gentle, about being patient with one another. And that's, as you say, that's, that's right. what's going to preserve the unity here. And, and the idea here is that they, and, and where all of this goes, is that they become... Christ in the world, the body of the presence of Christ in the world by their togetherness. Mm. And, and this is, again, works against this idea. And it, there's a tendency in our culture, we're a very individualistic culture. And, you know, I've I've often heard people say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm good with God. It's me and God, and I don't really need the church. Well, yes, unless you want to follow Jesus. Yeah, you know what I mean? If right. you want to follow Jesus and be part of the purpose, and mm. and the purpose of God is a big theme uh, throughout this letter. Yeah. If you want to follow God's purpose, then we have to do that together. God's purpose is to build his body and for us together to be the presence of Jesus in the world. And so, so this is what he's pointing to. This is what he gets to. In fact, he talks about the distribution of gifts yes. that Christ, when he ascended into heaven, uh, he, he gave gifts yes. to all people. Uh, he says here in verse 11, he gave the apostles, uh, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. 
uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up uh, the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature uh, manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. This is the ESV uh, that I'm reading from. So, even there, it's interesting that these these roles, and I and I think they are roles rather than gifts, yes, yes. Uh, as such. Um, he talks about apostles, prophets. Now he's talked about already in chapter two that the church is built on the foundation of, yeah, the, right. of the apostles Apostle. and the prophets. Um, but there is there is a kind of apostolic ministry, you know, that, like those who were sent out to equivalent to what we would describe as probably uh, you know cross cultural uh, mission, mission workers. Yep. These are people that went out and planted churches and, and, and so forth. Although, in, in particular, that's associated with the 12 apostles at this stage. Yeah. And when Paul talks about the foundation of the apostles and the prophets there, he's talking apostle with a big A in yes. a capital A. The ones who established yeah, the church. Yeah, that's right. The, the ones who established yeah. Uh, yeah. the church. But the, but the, the word apostle. But also comes Paul. from this idea of being sent, you yeah. know, being sent out yeah. as Paul. That's right, and that's as, right. As Paul, Paul is is an apostle himself uh, as well. Uh, prophets. There, there were, as we know from uh, other parts of the New Testament, there were uh, people who are functioning in a in a kind of prophetic ministry. Even early church documents mm-hmm. talk about um, a little about that. Um, evangelists, you know, again, people that travelled around and uh, you know called people to Christ. Uh, shepherds, in some translations, pastors, pastors and teachers. Yeah, yeah, pastors and teachers. And he puts those uh, together. So they were the, you know, the, these the, the shepherds are the church leaders, the overseers uh, of of the church, and the and teachers um, also are those who are particularly equipped to, you know, instill right understanding of the scriptures and of uh, yeah. Christian beliefs and so forth. So. These All are, of this is about keeping the you notice this yes. is really about keeping the un, unity and and building the church up so yeah. it can become this temple. And I think also pointing out that we don't we aren't all apostles and we don't all have to be apostles and we no. have a particular role to yep. play and and we shouldn't be looking at one and going I want to be that God's called us and given us a role in the church to take yep. a particular role. Yeah, and the idea and the all of this is. For this purpose, it says, so that they may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Yeah. So he realizes there are forces working against them. And these roles, uh, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, these roles are created to you know, protect, build the church up yeah. so it can be protected uh, against those Schemes, yeah, and then he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together by every joint, uh, with which it is equipped, uh, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, so very much saying the these, these gifts are for the body of the church, yep. not really to be exercised individualistically. You know, this yep. is for us collectively, and there's no really there's no one gift or one person in any church who can bring about the kind of growth that Paul, in this case, uh, is talking about in terms of the church as a combination of the gifts yeah, that's of right. people working together yep. in their roles in the church. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So he goes on uh, to give a number of, of instructions. For Pretty much in how to live the new life. Interestingly, he uses 
to illustrate this, he talks about putting off an old self and putting yeah. on a new self. Again, this is underlying the radical nature of the new life that they've stepped into. It's like putting on a new self. They're, act- they're actually there's an old self that they 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 need to get rid of, and there's a completely new understanding of themselves. And that's yeah. really what comes from those first three chapters, isn't it? That, yeah, that sense of completely new understanding of who they are that is associated actually with this concept of family as well, with mm. your, your part of uh, the family of God. So it's a completely new um, self-identity. And he wants them to live in accordance with that. He wants them to step up uh, into that new identity and to live accordingly. And so that's why he talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new self, Mm. uh, which is created, he says, after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So it's being uh, who we're meant to be. And that involves, in verse 25, he says, Therefore, having put away uh, falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. As I said, Stu, it's interesting to note the uh, the particular sins that he focuses on: yeah. falsehood, mm. uh, stealing from one another, uh, unwholesome talk, uh, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. These are all, you know, intensely relational that are going to break down yeah, unity. Yeah, exactly right. Relational sins that are going to break down the unity. Um, he he speaks about uh, sexual immorality. He speaks about it, and which again in. Uh, in that culture, it was a very licentious culture. Mm. He's saying you can't be anything like that. It's a completely yeah. different yeah. Uh, way uh, of living now. Don't steal. And he talks about the fact that you need to get a job and work, and yeah. not just so that you, you don't need to steal, but also so you can give to others. So this yeah. whole sense of it's not about you, it's about the collective uh, unity of, of everyone. So uh, you know, get a job, work, earn money, so that you can actually um, help others who, yeah. need, who need help. Absolutely. There's that that famous passage there, you know, he says, um, uh, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Yeah. Uh, and that's a continuous, uh, you know, continue being filled with the spirit. He says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. Uh, to the Lord with your heart, there is, you know, I mean, the association with the sort of drunken, drunken parties here, which had, um, would have involved. Would have involved lots of singing as well. He's, yes. he's actually using that kind of illustration. When people think of drunkenness, he's he's thinking of those sort of, you know, drunken uh, parties. He's, well, that's not the sort of get-together that's I'm talking exactly, about. Yeah. I mean, he is concerned with drunkenness as a sort of private thing, but it's not – it's actually more uh, he's speaking about the sort of drunken, you know, drunken parties where they, you know, sing their – uh, yeah. You know, sing the pub songs and and what? No, no. He's saying he's providing a picture of a complete difference here. Yep. Uh, don't get, don't. That's not the sort of party that I want you to come to. There's a different sort of party here, yeah. and that is where you, you know you're filled with the spirit and you're singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to God with thanksgiving. And then the big one, uh, he says at the end of that. Uh, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. And that he is now going to elaborate on that in a number of different uh, relationships, that uh, very uh, countercultural instruction to submit to one another. Of course, in the even up to this point, you know, through the teaching of Jesus, this is a big theme in the teaching of Jesus. Uh, We see that in Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, him saying, 
you know, you're not to be like the Gentiles who lorded over each other. It's completely different understanding of authority. Uh, to be uh, in authority is to serve, hence Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. So that that very countercultural value is, is now carried in through here uh, into these different kinds of relationships, husbands and wives, children's and pe- children and parents, and Bond servants and masters, yeah. or slaves and masters. So, just before we move into that that section, Matt, yep. I, I do have one question here. When Paul talks about don't don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, yep. um, at sort of at the end of chapter four, there, sort of talking about yep. that. What, what you know, unpack that a bit for us? When, what does it mean? Because we're all going to make mistakes, we're all going to fall short. What does it mean when Paul says, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God"? Well. He's, he's pointing to, the, I mean, and in the first part of the letter, he points to the fact that we have received the Holy Spirit uh, in our hearts. And so one of the things I appreciate about that comment is it's how relational it is. Mm. We, we've not just received some power. This is right. we're in relationship yep. uh, with God. It's, you know, uh, this spirit to spirit relationship where, where we are to, in, in a sense, become one with the spirit. And so... Because of that, therefore, because of this relationship, it's therefore possible to to grieve, you know, to really grieve God who dwells in our hearts. Yeah. And so I think he's pointing to that that new dynamic. You are now not just you. It's not just you. You are now temples of the Holy Spirit, as he says. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's saying this to them all. Don't grieve. You, you are together a, a, a temple of the Holy Spirit in your togetherness. Mm. So don't grieve that spirit by mm. brawling and all of these mm. uh, malice and and, and, and that grief is because of another. his love for us. Yeah, predominantly. That's, right. That's yeah. why, because yeah, exactly. God loves us so much. It's like when your children do something that you you, yeah. you know you've spoken to them. Not it, it's yeah, you're probably a bit angry about them doing yeah. that, but more you're grieved because you love them and you want yeah, them to, right. to to be traveling well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the way that he applies that you know mutual submission uh, again, you you and and you really have to remember how countercultural this is for that particular time. Uh, you know, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples was absolutely yeah. No one thought that way. No one thought that that sort of thing uh, was a good idea. He is instituting a completely different way of exercising influence and and doing things and and, and really turning it upside down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In reality, yeah. you know. And so essentially what Paul does is that he applies that to the key relationships in, in society, uh, first to uh, husbands uh, and wives. So he, he's saying, wives, submit uh, to your own husbands as to the Lord. Actually, I'm going to read this from the NIV, I think. Um, uh Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Um So uh, he then goes on to say to the husbands, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her Mm. by the washing with water through the word. You know, in the ancient world, of course, the husband is the master of the household. And, you know, women are very much second class uh, citizens. One of the things that is going to happen in the early churches is the women are going to be given equal status Mm. uh, to men. And that's well uh, documented historically. Uh, Even secular historians talk about that as something that was revolutionary uh, about the early church. And this is what it's grounded in. It's, I mean, first of all, it's grounded in what he said in the first three chapters about the fact that we're all bought into one body. You you know, we're, we're... uh, there's this great leveling effect yes. 
uh, because we're all undeserving. We're, we're brought in. There's no favoritism between Jew or Gentile, uh, male and female. It's where we're all equal in Christ. And this is the application of some of those uh, ideas. So um, what that requires now is because because we have been paid for mm. uh, by Christ's sacrifice, we are now to, to apply that in our relationships to each other. And this is going to be the key thing for Paul that is going to keep the unity of the church. Yeah. This is the key thing. It's that willingness to actually lay ourselves d- down uh, sacrificially for each other, yeah. uh, to absorb offense in grace and... Uh, and to serve one another. Mm. And so in uh, in the households, this means that the guys aren't just to lord it over their wives, uh, that they are to love their wives. And this is really the, the emphasis of this chapter. I mean, he, he's, he's saying, in a sense, uh, to women not to abuse their new their newfound equality okay yeah. there's still this he's still talking Respect about mutual submission yeah, here correct. remember yes. he's talking about mutual submission here um and so in a sense that they're, they're to in one sense go on submitting to their mm. husbands but he's saying to husbands here but you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church and lay him laid lay himself, himself down, down. That's right. sacrificially mm. uh and so in a sense he's putting the heavy here on the husbands, uh, saying you need to lay your lives down for your wives and serve your wives as mm. Christ served the church. So that's the thing that's that's yeah. and and really later on he sort of talks out, yeah. about the fact that husband and wife become one flesh. So you know treat your treat your wife the way you would treat yourself right. because essentially yeah. you're you're one flesh. You know? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to children, he says uh, honor your father and mother. So um, this is you know important. But it's interesting too. He says here. Interesting pattern. There's an interesting pattern in this section because he he says to let, let's call it the weaker parties, the parties that up to this point had been sort of that under the hoof mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of the stronger party. He he says to them, go on submitting because this is all about submitting to one another, right? You, you absolutely go on submitting. But then he in each case he addresses the stronger mm. party, mm. and in in a sense puts the heavy uh, on them. So to husbands. Uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid himself down. Then he says to, to fathers, he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Mm. Uh, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction uh, of the Lord. So, uh, you know, there's something here for fathers not to not to cause their children to resent them. Don't do things that cause your children to resent you. Yeah. And possibly also, you know, speaking to discipline and, and making sure that discipline doesn't come out of anger or or reaction, that's right. but it actually comes out of teaching and, and growing and learning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Then he addresses the slave mm. uh, master uh, relationship. Now, this is interesting, Stu, because, you know, the New Testament has often been sort of indicted for condoning yeah. slavery. slavery. Yeah. There's actually something much cleverer going on, <laughs> like yes. than than if it had come out and said slavery is evil, get rid of it. Now, that would never have worked because these are households; these slaves lived yeah. in a household. They would have been destitute yeah. if they would have been thrown out uh, on the street. And Paul speaking into the current situation, along with all of these issues, looking at particular things that were were current at the time, yeah. and speaking into that situation and saying, given. Where we are, these are how this is the way we need to be different yeah. in in this world that we're currently yeah, in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, but so what he what he does? Reality, yeah, you know? I mean, what he does here though is that he un- completely undermines mm. the uh, the way that slavery was thought of in that time. I mean, slaves, you know, were thought of being yes. really were barely yeah. human. 
here they're given equal status. Uh, again, this is again so revolutionary about this this teaching. They're given equal status. He says to them, uh, "Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ." So he he urges them to be obedient, as though they were serving the Lord mm. and not people. Um, and and of course, the the hint there is just remember, Christ served you self sacrificially. Right? Yes, yeah. people did the did. The, wrong to him, mm. but he endured that for your sake. Yeah. So now you endure that for yeah. Christ's sake. Uh, yeah. However, he says, and masters treat your slaves, and this is interesting, in the same way. So he's putting he's putting them on equal footing, saying uh, slaves and masters need to treat each other with the same level of respect. Easy again in our culture for that to just for us to miss that, but in at that time, this is enormously revolutionary. Yeah. Do not threaten yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, it was fear that kept slaves yes, that's right. in in their place, mm. and yet our masters are not to threaten, yeah. let alone let alone mistreat them. You know, yeah. do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism yeah. with him. Yeah. Now, this isn't just talking about oh, I like that one and not that one. He's saying there's there's no ranking yeah. here. You're you're that's equals. right. There's you're equals no, in my there, there is no yeah. rank. You are yeah. all equal in the sight of God. Yeah. So he's saying, masters, in your relationship with your said, just remember that there is no ranking. They're not actually your underling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're your brother. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's he's still he's still saying there can be. You know, it's like with. Uh, you know, employer-employee relations and so forth that, you know, one might serve the other in, in an official, you know, capacity. Yep. Yep. So in a sense, he's he said, yes, slaves serve your masters. Like, he's not, he's not saying to disband slavery itself, although this does lead to that. In fact, first in the early Middle Ages, slavery was first, first um, abolished uh, as a result of this right. teaching. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the early 1800s, wasn't the first time that uh, slavery was abolished. Then, of course, too, it was uh, with this sort of rationale. Mm. Um, so, but at this stage, that it's just not going to work because you're in a society that is, you know, made up of households and yeah. the slaves lived in the households. And if they just sent all their slaves off, uh, that you know, there'd, there'd be nowhere mm. uh, for them. But for essentially, them even with some of this language, what he's saying is, is in a way, because slavery was more about the way they were treated. What they're saying is treat them as one of your family working yeah, for you. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And treat exactly. them in that yeah, way. You know? Exactly. Essentially, yeah. they're saying that. So, yeah, it's easy to miss how, uh, just how revolutionary this really is, you know, given the time that it's yeah. written in. Yeah. The next section, uh, Stu, you know, he says, and this is kind of going big picture again here because he's reminding them that they are part of a spiritual there's a spiritual battle going on here and this is why they need to remain united Um, he's just talked about a whole lot of different relationships Mm. Um, he's talked about elements of Christian character and conduct and living up to who you are. But all of this flows out of this exhortations to unity, remain united with one another. And uh, and he essentially comes back to this when he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty, mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Mm. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
So he's reminding them uh, there are spiritual forces of evil. He's, he spoke about that in Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah. You know, he says, you've gone from being under the power of the, the ruler of this world, the yep. demonic ruler of this world, mm. and you've, you've, you've been delivered from that. Now he's reminding them those powers are still at work and they're going to try and get you back. That's exactly it. And, um, and so he's just reminding them. Go and uh, eyes open right. and be prepared. That's right. Yeah. And, and, that, and that also the struggle that we're part of is not a – again, to flow out of what we've just come from with masters and slaves and so mm. forth. Because there were slave revolts in Rome. All oh, right, uh, There okay. are a number of different slave revolts. And he's saying, this is not how we do things. We don't do things by these violent uprisings, violent revolutions. Um, the kingdom of God does not advance at the point of the sword mm. because we're not fighting flesh and blood. Right. Uh, we're fighting for uh, flesh and blood people. Yeah. And we're fighting against principalities and powers. And so we need to put on uh, the full armor of God. It's interesting. He describes a number of pieces of armor, but the the offensive weapon, the only offensive weapon yeah. uh, that he describes here in this, and it's an, 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 a metaphor, of course, yeah. uh, is the, the sword, sword of the spirit, spirit. the word yeah. of God. That's mm. what we go out. That's what we go out with. Mm. Uh, it is the word of God that dispels the darkness. There's this association with, you know, light, dispelling darkness and we see that elsewhere in the letter and mm. so that becomes you know the sword of the spirit becomes this offensive weapon with which we uh defeat the uh the, these principalities and powers because remember he'd said that we declare uh you know we declare the truth about jesus christ uh to the rulers That's of right. this of this world you know it's to the spiritual well, rulers of the world well, yeah. so there's there's a there's a message not just for people but mm. it's it's staking a claim mm. uh you know against, against the, spirit, the, the uh, principalities and powers yeah, That's right. exactly right and then of course he finishes and pray in the spirit mm. on all occasions it's interesting the uh you know Again, right through this letter, the prevalence of of the of the Holy Spirit being one in spirit, becoming a temple of the Holy Spirit, being filled continually with the Spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit. Mm. It's caught right through this mm. letter. We're equipped with gifts by the Spirit. Yeah. Um. And then he says uh, down here, and pray in the Spirit. And the sense here is, you know, is that you know the Spirit of God is, and and Paul talks about in this uh, in Romans, in a sense, even guides our prayers because He gives us even the very desires of God. We we you know our desires merge with God's desires. We yeah. become one in that sense, yeah. and so pray in the flow of the Spirit with the very desires of God. Um, and that's, you know, he says, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all uh, the Lord's people. So pray, 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 pray uh, right through this. Because why? Because we're, in the battle is against exactly uh, principalities right. and yeah. powers. Just and say we that. win that through prayer. That's we, right. We aren't going to be able to, we aren't going to be able to live this way in our own strength. We aren't going to be able yeah. to live this way by just making a decision. This is going to yeah. come from the inside and it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit yeah. that's going to enable us that's to right. make these at the time and even today still significant changes in the way we that's relate right. to each other, the way we live in unity in the church. Yeah. Um it's going to take uh, it's going to take more than we can muster. That's it's right. going to take the Holy Spirit yeah. working in us and through us, yeah. So it gives it, you get this real nutshell summary of the Christian missions, like pray, 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 yeah. pray the way ahead, uh, put on the new, put on a new self, embody the truth and then go out with, you know, yeah. go out with that truth and yeah. shine as lights. And it's this wonderfully simple approach to the Christian life that is, 
not not about striving or or it, and it's it's not lots of different things. It's essentially very simple. It's about becoming this new person, really inhabiting that, uh, joining together with others, and and being us being a temple of the Holy Spirit, and shining as a light, really going out and shining as a light and and praying the way forwards. And there's this sense of absolute invulnerability in this. And this is this is why he's urging these people, step out of your individualistic self-serving life, step into this new reality, this completely different sort of life, become a part of God's family, uh, shine as lights, and you will be absolutely unthwartable. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thrive.